On this episode of Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast from Scoop News Group, augmenting reality and expanding capabilities at the University of Texas. This is Ed Scoop's Cutting Edge Podcast. Every other Tuesday, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher education IT and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. The University of Texas at Austin's Texas Immersive Institute is looking to provide access to students, faculty, and staff to emerging technology and research around how virtual, augmented, and mixed reality can play a big role in the higher education environment. Aaron Riley is the founding director of the Institute, which is housed at the Moody College of Communication at the University of Texas at Austin. She tells Ed Scoop's Lindsay McKenzie about how the program got started and where it's going next. We have been in existence now for two years. Uh, We've just graduated the third cohort. Our mission is to provide access to emerging technology and research to design experiences, immersive experiences. We bring artists, scientists, humanists, industry partners together. And our goal is to use new forms of storytelling to share solutions to big problems that are both responsive, responsible, and remarkable. Uh, So we'd really look for what if questions, like big what if scenarios that to tackle um, and help imagine the unknown into existence through the practice of immersion. Very cool. Um, So the immersion aspect of it, what kinds of technologies are we talking about? Because I know there's lots of discussion about the metaverse and VR headsets, but is it something else? Is it that? Is it a combination? Yeah, it's interesting when I, um, you know, my area of expertise is really as an experienced designer. Um, and immersive isn't new. It's been around since humans discovered the power of storytelling, right? Thinking about like the cave and the fire. <laughs> days. Um, But clearly when people think of immersive today, they immediately jump to the emerging technologies that we call uh, extended reality or XR. I like to call it the suitcase of acronyms, uh, AR, VR, MR, AI, and IoT. (laughs) Um, There are different technological environments uh, that those new tools encompass and what they all uh, promise, some better than others, is to really create experiences that allow for um, interactivity. Uh, We were not passive viewers anymore. There's some sort of call and response where the audience is leaning forward and engaging in varied roles from being a spectator to actually being the hero of the story themselves. It's sensorial. uh, So beyond thinking about traditional 2D screens that are about sight and sound, we're moving into spatial environments, whether it's a physical environment Uh, such as experiential marketing to a virtual environment that you see in virtual reality, uh, you are starting to think about taste, touch, sight, sound, uh, all together. (laughs) And I think I missed a sense in there, but you get my, you get my drift. (laughs) Um, And I would say also it's about being intimate, right? That we're creating Mm -hmm. These new technologies afford us to have agency, to be able to personalize an experience that we might be doing together, but we're in it for different reasons. And so we have choice in in the way we move through these spaces and engage in genuine action and true connections. Could you describe a little bit what the facilities you have look like and what kinds of equipment you have? Is it like 
one big space do you actually have a physical space I'm guessing that you do we do have a physical space and um it will be not new to anyone at Moody College of Communication where I feel like we're outgrowing our space so I am definitely looking for um uh, a sponsor who would like to endow uh the institute to help us build a bigger space but you know what you can do a lot with just a classroom. So we, I was very fortunate um, when I was recruited here to UT Austin that the Dean of the time, uh, Jay Bernhardt, actually took one of the classrooms off and I was able to turn it into the immersive lab. And the first thing I did uh, was I took some of the starter funds he gave me and um, bought all of the latest emerging technologies that I wanted to put in the hands of students and faculty. I felt we were a public institution. You know, a lot of times um, at this public university, uh, students are first time, first gen uh, coming to college. Um, a lot of them are based on scholarships or uh, or uh, federal support. And I felt we needed to break down the socioeconomic barriers uh, to this high-end technology, which sometimes costs thousands of dollars and would never be able to be put into the hands of a student. Um, So setting up a lab like that allowed us to become the demo space on campus. Uh, So we had the first Magic Leaps. We had the HoloLens. We had had the Rift, the Vive, uh, the Quest. We got the Quest Pros when when they came out. We have a deep box high fidelity chair. We have a 3D printer. You know, we have Arduino. We have Makey Make kits that you usually learn if you're like uh, just starting off with sensors, all the way to Raspberry Pis and Arduinos. You know, so it's it's really we have Snap Spectacles. Like we have the gamut of like AR, VR, IoT. We've got um, lighting um, and sound for people to play around with that because that matters as well when thinking about immersive experiences. And it's all available for faculty and students to test out. And actually we've even opened our door to the Austin media professionals. There's a whole new, uh, it's called IRL meetup in uh, immersive in real life meetup. uh, and we've hosted them. Uh, it was started by Mike Mo- Michaels, who starts the has the Eureka Room, and we've kind of opened the doors to that community and been like, "Hey, let's all play together." So, a lot of technology companies come to me and um, to to sell us, and I say, "Hey, we are probably." Uh, the right place at at least our university, where if you gave us one or you provided in kind for six to for a semester, three months, and you put it here, a lot of people all at once would be able to come on, try it, demo it, brainstorm in the with the community. What are some possibilities of how this can be hooked in? And I'm a firm believer in participatory learning. You have to try it to to know what to do with it. You have to see it to be it. Very cool. Well, I when I think of um, the headsets and you, you reeled off all those different brands and names, it's changing very quickly. Yeah. How do you manage that inventory, A, and when do you decide to like cycle something out? Because it sounds like you have a limited space. How do you yeah. pick which technology you wanna keep and, and invest in? And is it just constantly evolving? 
We've actually turned one of our offices, my program manager's office, into a equipment room. Uh, and she's moved out into the lab. Um, and we even have luckily gotten for this year a prop room because we're starting to collect props from doing you know, the big immersive productions every spring. Um, I would say how we manage the inventory has been a evolving process <laughs> for sure, especially because we purchased 40 Quest Pros. Now I was so, I was, when I started, um, people were really trying to sell me the Pico. Uh, it's used more in, at that time in schools and universities. Um, and it had a whole uh, management, learning management system. Um, but I deal with media and entertainment um, in my program. And I felt like they didn't have uh, as many um, applications for daily, for you, for just the mainstream consumers than the Quest did. And so that really wasn't uh, an option for me. Um, you'll know, you remember, and it's changed just within the past year, but when we did purchase 40 Quest, uh, Facebook wanted you to tie it directly to your Facebook ID. Um, so the first semester we did that, I learned very quickly that students are not on Facebook. <laughs> It's for their parents. Um, so that was hard getting them to even like sign up and get a Facebook ID account. We learned by the second time, and I probably shouldn't even be saying old. this. It was so old, right? But we learned to, um, we created a whole plethora of Lord of the Rings accounts <laughs> to get around that. And I think maybe other people did it too, because now actually you do not need to tie it to your Facebook account. So that was a learning curve probably for the company as much as it was for us trying to um, navigate how to use these with a, a group of 40 students at one time. We, another thing I would say with regards to those tools is because we didn't do a learning management system, it really was relying on our students or my pro or my tech, my lab manager, a student worker to make sure that all of the uh, apps we were using were downloaded and ready to go at the beginning of the semester. So it was a big lift at the, you know, between semesters each time. Um, but you know what? I kind of feel like that was good for the students because if everything is already prepared for them, they're not learning to kind of tinker and troubleshoot, problem solve, how to actually uh, download and, and manage uh, or be able to upgrade uh, some of the system software. You know, I think all of those type of tasks that we, that oftentimes tech leaders take over um, are the skills that a student needs to learn in order to just handle it every day on their own. Especially when it's such a emerging technology, you know, these things are not streamlined and you are going to run into problems, right? Yeah, for sure. You are. Mm -hmm. um, could you speak a little bit about, you mentioned you have a, a tech support staff. Do you have student workers? Are you working with central IT? How does that work? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, when I launched the program, um, my budget couldn't afford a full-time staff. So I only hired student workers. And, you know, they were great. If you give them the freedom to really support you, uh, they are eager to get their hands on the equipment and also to help you set policies. Um, and I've always learned, you know, we should 
we should guide uh, from the side, but really let them, you know, um, um, build their leadership skills. Um, so my first lab manager now is working at Tesla, running the whole entire VR learning uh, system over there for te Tesla and the human resources. And I think that he uh, would say he learned the skills of managing and being able to communicate and educate his peers on it through being the lab manager at Texas Immersive. So that that to me says that we did it right. Now where we've grown so much, we have over 250 students who've gone through the program, 80 students are currently in the program, and I have hired two full-time staff. Uh, the program manager now works with student workers who we still have a lab manager that program that has still continued to be a student. Um, I think it's also become the community liaison, you know, like bringing, bringing students in, seeing that their peers can like run a lab has been really fruitful for building the type of open community environment we really strive to be. If you give some examples of um, some of the work that students have created, maybe some favorite projects or things that people are working on, hopefully in the coming semester. Yeah, definitely. So uh, um, I'll go back to my roots. Uh, one of the first projects we did was uh, we partnered with the UT Admissions Welcome Center. They had just opened it up and um, it was pre-pandemic and they asked us to reimagine what uh, what type of immersive experience prospective students could go. As we started designing it and releasing it, the pandemic happened. And what we were designing was a new uh, map that would come alive using 8th Wall's Web AR. And so it was it could be emailed out to prospective students. And instead of doing those brochures that just you get throw, throw them in the trash the minute you get them, you get so many senior year. Um, it became kind of an interactive pop-up where you would meet Bevo and Bevo would kind of show you what the student life was. Um, so it was tricky not focusing on a particular major or a school because, you know, that would be competitive on like who's being left out. But it was written by and for students on like what is student life here on campus. And that went on to win awards. We were had a um, an ad. We received an Addy. We were the first university to be a finalist for an Augie at the Augmented Reality World Expo. And it, it still is probably one of our favorite ones we love to sh show and became a longtime partnership with Eighth Wall, who was acquired by Niantic. And then Niantic came back and sponsored our social impact build fest that we do every spring. So that's one project. Another project I love uh, came out of social impact build fest this past spring, um, which was the winner was Recyclar. And they used machine learning and eighth wall, uh, the web AR platform to have any child scan a car, um, anything that possibly could be recycled. So let's take a pizza box, right? You could visually scan the pizza box and the little dinosaur recycler <laughs> would come out and highlight what part was recyclable and what part wasn't. So if you know anything about pizza boxes, the oily part, you can't recycle. You have to throw it away, toss it in the trash. So it would show you to rip it, throw one part away and keep the other part for recycling. 
Um, so that visual image recognition tied with augmented reality and a kid's story, you know, storyline to engage them with the little dinosaur was promoted on the Niantic blog. And uh, just a great example of what young adults can do within 48 hours if they work as a team. I need that. I, I don't know how to recycle things in DC. It gets very confusing. Can I give, can <laughs> There's I like give two you types. Yeah, please. Yes. I need to. I want to see two more. So those are, I did AR. Okay. But um, in my program, um, the students apply to get in and they go through my three required courses. And by the third one, they do an immersive uh, production. They've written about it in experimental storytelling, and then they actually design and develop it and release it to the public in the spring every year. And um, we've only done two of these. We've learned a lot through that process because it's a blending of physical and digital. We take over like a 2000 square foot space. We have five, about five activations each. And um, both Roses of the Rubble, uh, which was like bringing uh, Benny, our automaton to life by collecting valence to bring down Knox Corporation. It was all about privacy and surveillance. Um, and the in-between, which was totally a different topic on the six minutes between when your heart gives out and your brain stops functioning, what would you consider the importance of your life. So kind of reflecting on your life. Uh, these kids were coming out of the pandemic. So I think I think life matters a lot and they, they have a different perspective now. Um, that Those two went on to be shortlisted for the young, st the student um, BAFTA award, uh, which we are super stoked about to even just have that honor of the 10, 769 submissions, 10, were shortlisted and we received two, which was pretty exciting. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, the BAFTAs are a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really are. So would you say most of the students are coming at this from a creative perspective? Or are they more kind of engineer, technical side or a little of both? I would definitely say they are not engineers. <laughs> Um, so uh, what's unique about Texas Immersive is while we are situated in the Moody College of Communication, um, the program is applicable to both graduate and undergraduate students and open to all UT students. Um, so currently, to date, we have had seven colleges represented in the program with 22 majors and about 50% of the students are grad students and 50% are undergrad. What's unique about this is they definitely don't just come from the engineering or computer science departments. Um, since my faculty position is in the School of Advertising and PR, I would say 40 to 50% are advertising and PR students who are realizing that agency life is changing and that it's not just about conceptual or cre creative or measuring audiences, but really engaging them in new types of experiences. And they want that production, they want that production centered. Uh, what could that look like in the future of agencies? Then I get some really unique ones. I've had a philosophy major, a history major, a biology major, I just in this new cohort has, ha, I have a nursing major. Um, so I think that while I have computer science and arts entertainment technology out of the College of Fine Arts, I have theater and dance. You know, it's like really the gamut 
of immersive is a practice that is impacting the future of every industry. And I think the students are gravitating towards it because we are so open-ended. We give them the kind of frameworks and knowledge of looking at audiences differently, of thinking about how narrative design and storytelling can really be brought back to your industry, um, how these emerging technologies you know, is really focused on um, being available to reshaping the way we live, work, and learn. I'd love to zoom in on that learn part. You mentioned that yeah. there are um, opportunities for faculty to come in and use these resources. And I'm curious if you've seen a lot of demand for that and you know, what you think is possible in a sort of regular class, you know, could this be integrated into a nursing degree or something like that? Yeah, um, so just this summer, the Dell Medical School uh, had a, a program going on for um, their up and coming medical students and they brought them over to the Texas Immersive Lab where we talked about how these emerging technologies, so like think of us as like we're, we're the, the advocates for how to use these emerging technologies in any subject. We're always thinking X meets Y, right? Any Take any type of emerging technology and we will explore it in any vertical. So the medical students came over, Asalia, my program manager, met them and they um, um, she, she talked about Solar Run, uh, which was a President's Global Award we received to partner with a university in Singapore to compare uh, young adults in Singapore to Austin young adults uh, skin cancer awareness since we both are in a very heated dome hot sunny space it was a really interesting way of exploring how augmented reality could be used to address skin cancer so we created a filter um, on um, on your kind of the practices of protecting yourself against the sun and do you do it well Maybe you don't get so many blotches on your face. Do you not do it well? Then all of a sudden you see what you could, how you're going to age in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, so that's an example of medical. I'll give you one other example um, closer to my own school. Um, uh, I had another faculty member come in and use the D-Box high fidelity haptics chair that we have in the lab. Um, what she wanted to focus on was thinking about emotional and cognitive recall when it comes to touch, right? If I am watching in advertisements, which are now being more incorporated into game worlds, um, and now these type of chairs are being sold to the homes, uh, would it recall more? Would they have a higher valence of emotional connection with the content being shared? And her pilot study actually discovered that it does. It's about 60% higher um, in regards to emotional connection and cognitive recall. Um, so those are the type of openings we provide to faculty, including faculty reaching out wanting to do client briefs. So we bring in real world clients to my classroom and faculty can apply and, uh, and um, support through funds. Uh, to work with my students on different teams. So I had a nursing faculty member um, who was an asthma expert work with the experimental storytelling students to design new approaches to young adults with asthma. 
And that went on to become a lab project at Texas Immersive, where we're now currently working together to apply for an NIH grant. Great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Super interesting. Yeah, there's so many different. It, yeah, super broad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Those are all very different things, but um, really interesting. Yeah. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on um, that I said I was going to ask about and haven't yet? Um, well, I think I think we've covered it all. I mean, yeah. You did, and just thinking about your audience, you know, with IT and mm. tech support, you did ask if I um, if I work with the IT department here. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I didn't respond, but yes, we definitely um, work with the IT and tech support staff. They are amazing at Moody College of Communication. Um, they helped, uh, one person helped actually uh, set up the entire D-Box High Fidelity Haptics Chair and created a a whole wiki so that way we would have like a technical spec a tutorial for the the student lab manager to then be able to handle you know so when some of the kind of bigger lifts of technology like that one um then the tech support uh definitely comes in handy on top of right now we are uh our immersive capstone has really you know it's i'm trying to put guardrails on it i think that's one thing i would give to technology um tech group uh, groups in schools is like it works really good to have guardrails of what you can do with these different tools so um we're we finally um have decided to put together five immersive kits um and those immersive kits will now be given to the different teams in the capstone course uh, so that everyone is playing at an equal playing field. You know, we found over the past two years that some teams had more higher end laptops on their own um, or they didn't have the time or capacity to just use it in the lab. So by giving and creating these immersive kits, we're having them check it out. So they'll really kind of have the access to trying and demoing and playing with it and seeing how it can be used within their activation that they're designing. And it's including, um, we're very fortunate, um, Dell Technologies is sponsoring uh, these immersive kits and they've given us five game engine Alienware laptops. You know, we can't do big computer uh, desktops because we're on the go, we're moving when it comes to immersive. It could be set up in any location. Um, and we're getting Wacom tablets for drawing, you know, animation and things like that. Um, we're, we're looking for a lighting and sound partner still to, you know, provide maybe four pars for each immersive kit so they can practice the lighting and projection. Um, I'm looking at Eight, I'm looking at um, 4K laser projectors, small ones, um, so that way they can practice thinking about projection mapping um, with the, with their immersive experiences. Uh, so like really kind of the gamut of what are the tools and type of technological environments that really support immersive beyond a VR headset. Those are easy. There's so many tools out there now with VR headset that um, you don't even need to know how to code to create it. We host workshops every other week at the Immersive Lab. Um, and I find that a lot of um, companies are willing to come and do a workshop for students. 
Um, so um, I have, I have, I'll tell you who's coming this semester. Um, it's pretty cool. I was just looking at, I was just looking at it and now I can't find it, but um, I want to say it's XR brand initiative is coming out and doing a VR one. Oh, and so is Crikey AI. Two sisters who graduated from Stanford have created this AI character animation and they're going to come and do a workshop on designing and, and working in AI uh, character development. So that'll be fun. Plus a lot of others, cool. but. Is that something you have to reach out to them or is it just the notoriety of, of the uh, immersion centers bringing people to you at this point? At this point, a lot of people are reaching out to us and I've been in this industry for uh, t over 20 years. Um, so I have a lot of contacts that are like, oh, talk to Aaron. Like I literally got an email today, two different emails, one from an, a company who wants to talk about their haptics gloves. So maybe we'll get those in the lab to try. And another one who from a faculty referring another faculty member to come partner with Texas Immersive Institute. So um, it's exciting. Exciting to see that word of mouth is uh, really, really moving, moving, moving the needle for us. Erin Riley, the founding director of the Texas Immersive Institute at UT Austin. You can read more about her and augmented reality at scoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Coming soon from StateScoop and EdScoop, the 2023 IT Modernization Summit. This year's virtual summit takes place on September 19th in just a few weeks. You'll hear from the top leaders in higher education and state and local government on all things digital transformation. Join Arizona State University Deputy CIO Kimberly Clark, Massachusetts CIO and former Harvard University CTO Jason Snyder, as well as Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, and more than a dozen other top leaders across the community on September 19th for StateScoop and EdScoop's IT Modernization Summit. You can find registration links for the summit in today's show notes and always at edscoop.com. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. This show is a Scoop News Group production. Carlin Fisher and Adam Butler help make it happen and the entire team contributes. Until next time, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.